Turkaholics, thank you all for listening to this episode of Football Ala Turka. This is season two, episode four, covering match day four of the 2019-2020 Turkish Super League season, recorded on Tuesday, September 17th, 2019. I am your host, Kam Bayezid, and I am once again joined by my co-hosts, Jakub Marofolo, Burak Sizgin, and Uzer Dinger. Guys, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you, sir. It's great to be here again. Smiling today. Yo, thanks for having me, man. It's uh, a lovely Tuesday evening. And of course, we're coming off the back of a successful international break. Uh, two wins for Turkey. We already covered that, Burak and I did, last week. Um, and our promised transfer episode is not come yet. Guys, I'm sorry. There's been It's been hectic. It's been a hectic two weeks, of course, with our European previews. I hope you've checked those out. But if you haven't yet, go back and check those out. We previewed Group C, J and K in the Europa League. Of course, the groups for Trabzonspor, Başakşehir and Besiktas. And then we also previewed Group A in the Champions League for Galatasaray. Uh, that one dropped just this past Sunday. Uzer, I spoke to you for that. Uh, you went back and listened to it. And you're psyched, I bet, because, of course, we are just about to kick off the real European football, the group stage The group stages in both the Champions and Europa League are about to kick off. And tomorrow, your Galatasaray is in action. Away at Club Brugge, our co-host Umut Naderi, who has just moved to the UK, will be in attendance for that match. He's traveling to Belgium tomorrow and he's going to sit in that cold away section um, up top high in uh, the Jan, in the Jan Breidel Stadion for uh, the Brugge Galtzrai match, and of course, Trabzonspor are playing, I believe, away at Getafe, Besiktas away at AS Roma, and Besiktas away at Slovan Bratislava. So, if I'm not mistaken, all four the Turkish clubs in Europe are away this week. Someone fact check me on that, but uh, Uzra, I know, know for a fact you're psyched for the Champions League to begin. Oh, man. Totally, totally. This is actually the best time for me in the Champions League. It's the night before match day one. Everyone is on a is on a blank sheet. Anything can happen. And I'm just kind of fantasizing about all the different scenarios. Farkar popping up in the ninth minute scoring or, you know, Ryan Babel shooting a long distance goal in the 92nd to clinch it and bring the three points home. Anything can happen. All the scenarios are open and I am absolutely psyched. I've got the I'm working from home tomorrow. So I'm going to put my feet up, crack open a beer at lunchtime, get my uh, Turkish takeaway in, put my feet up, sit back and hopefully watch some uh, exciting football. However, as we, all, as we all know, it never works out that way. And you actually end up like running up and down, screaming, shouting at the TV <laughs> like a madman. So yeah. it's not going to be very relaxing at all. And um, I'm, uh, yeah, shout out to Umut, who's actually going to be at the game because he's going to be having uh, a whale of a time as well, I'm sure. Yeah, and he was so nice as to offer me a ticket to to go, um, but uh, I did not want to take a ticket away from any Galtry fans who wanted to attend, of course. Jakub, oh, if only ex- I was still in Europe, I'd, I would have bitten your hand up for that. <laughs> <laughs> Jakub, how excited are you for Trabzonspor's return to the Europa League group stages? Very, very excited. Um, we might play some subpar football in uh, in the Turkish league. But whenever we play in Europe, we seem to we seem to do pretty good. So I really can't wait. And um, unfortunately, we have a couple of uh, really devastating injuries. But I'm just I'm just psyched because uh, you know European foot European football is always just a little bit more you know fun. So let's let's hope we do we do well. 
Yeah, and Besiktas away at Slovan Bratislava. I'm just hoping for them to reboot their season a little bit because it's, it's necessary after the, the, the poor start in the league. Hopefully a, a win away at Bratislava and not another disillusion for Besiktas. Um, but yeah, let's get into a little bit news before we get into the Super League outright. Um, yeah, one of the big talking points that will be... Uh, or one of the big news items, so to speak. I'm just scrolling down because I'm looking. This was something I had uh, planned for the, the transfer episode. But it's mainly just the, the injury blow at Trabzonspor. Three players out. Yusuf Sare out for five to six months, if I'm not mistaken, with a meniscus injury. Abdul Kadir Omur out for five to six months with a meniscus injury. I, I believe they both have a meniscus injury. Um, and then Ikuban is out for, I believe, six or so weeks. So... Yeah, two key players for Trabzonspor, one young up-and-coming player. They just transferred from Olympique Marseille, who, who was doing a decent job, in my opinion. I know, Jakub, you weren't too impressed yet, but he had already had an impact. So, three players, potentially, for the first team that you'll be missing for quite some time. Yeah, I think the most um, got it um, about uh, Abdul Kadir and then Ekuban. Um, I didn't like Yusuf Saru, to be honest, and... Um, he is actually out for six weeks, not six months. Um, Ekuban oh, okay. is Ekuban is gone for two months, I think. And Ivanildo just got injured, and he's probably gone for like two weeks. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just our luck, you know. We we have a lot of uh, spare players, but I don't think a lot of them might have the capabilities to fill the void. But we can only hope, you know, because. Um, just a typical Turkish fashion, just hope and pray. Well, get Schulzen to Abdul Kadir Umar, Yusuf Sari, and uh, Ikuban, Kalep Ikuban, and hope they get well soon. But let's uh, get into Turkish Super League football because, of course, after the international break, we returned and we returned on Friday with the reigning defending Turkish Super League champions. I love saying that, you know, channeling my inner Paul Heyman. Uh, Galatasaray hosted <laughs> Kasim Pasha at home, of course, and they beat them 1-0 with a goal from the debuting Radamel Falcao in the 38 minutes. That's pretty much all that she wrote in terms of highlights, or at least statistical highlights. Let's get into it straight away. Uzer, your take on the match. Yeah, I mean, we are the reigning champions, as you say, and I thought this game would be reigning goals, to be honest with you. Um, I saw a lot of, lot of people on Twitter before the game last Friday saying this was going to be a 3-0, 4-0. Home, we've got the home support, we've got Falcao's uh, debut and everything, and it didn't quite amount to that. Um, obviously with a one nil result but we did play some decent football towards the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half put together some neat tricks um, some, some nice patches, passages of play Falcao actually had a chance to make it two and three with, with some pretty good chances but let's not forget that he hasn't actually played a professional game since May so he might be a little bit rusty here and there but you know as the old saying goes form is temporary um, but class is of course permanent so we saw a lot of classy touches from him, especially in the first half. Um, he, he attempted an overhead kick. He made some really flashy passing uh, with Babel, with Lamina, and of course with Amer when he came on as well. So as a debut, as, as, as all things go for Falcao, I think it was pretty much perfect. Got on the score sheet, played well, looked happy. And of course, given the nature of the day, it was the anniversary of the 28th anniversary of the death of Galatasaray legend Metin Oktay. He stood and gave his gesture to the fans and to the memory of Metin Oktay. So, all in all, it was a perfect debut for Falcao. 
and I think all fans were very pleased with that. Um, in terms of the gameplay, like I said, we played okay in the first and the beginning of the second half. Towards the end of the second, though, we really dropped off, really dropped off, and um, we didn't really put together any sort of organised attacks whatsoever. That is going to be a concern for us going forward because it looked like the team just weren't really that fit as well, which is which is um, which is a concern because we've got these guys have just come out of the summer training camp, um, and you expected them to be a little bit more fit for that. However, we do have the Champions League game tomorrow night, so maybe the kind of the mental priorities uh, had switched uh, in, in some of the squad, and they were kind of focused on on, on tomorrow evening. Um, I want to say Lemina, I thought he made a very impressive debut. He was only on the pitch for about half an hour or so before coming off with injury, but he played some really neat football. Um, but then again, Omer, who replaced him, definitely deserves a lot of praise. Not only did he give the assist for Falcao, but he contributed a lot defensively and he really, he just gave 100%. And it, it's good to see that he he really did everything to try and win that spot in um, in the midfield. Uh, and I first, I hold up my hands because I, I was never really sure about him uh, working in that midfield left-side position, being a left-back originally. But he's actually risen to the occasion and deserves full credit for that. Um, on the other side, Levent Hodja, who was taking over in, in place of the band, Terim, did not put on a great performance. I don't think his uh, his substitution of Falcao was utterly disgraceful. I never like to see that kind of substitution go on, especially in the, what was it, the 88th minute with we're only 1-0 up. Anything can happen. We're defending a corner. If we can see them... There's nobody up the pitch who can score. And given that we have this kind of obsession and fetish for scoring late on, that would have been a huge disaster for us. So I don't think Levent Hodja passed the test, quite frankly. And we're going to struggle for the next few weeks without uh, having uh, Mr. Tareem on the touch sign. Don't you think that was Tareem's decision, though, from the stands? Usually I don't stuff know. like I, that gets uh, it's given to I don't know. It's, it seemed like a bit of a... a, a, a uh, a cowardly substitution to me. I don't think Terim is the kind of guy who who, who would make that. But maybe it's, it's more rather was being super conservative. Maybe it's to conserve Falcao rather than you know being conservative. Uh, I, because, don't know. I mean, like you said, he uh, hasn't played a. Uh, it was the eighty. No, that's true. That's true. And that would have, I would have subscribed to that view if it was a, say a seventieth minute substitution. Um, but it was the eighty eighth, eighty ninth minute change, and I don't think I don't think the rationale for the, such a late change is to conserve a player's energy. I think it's to just go no, but full hard not to in risk defense. an injury or something. I'm not. I'm not convinced by that. I'm not convinced. Not convinced. In any case, we uh, we really fell apart after that because Falcao actually, despite being a top class striker, he actually comes from deep to win the ball back and actually made a lot of defensive contributions as well in the second half. Less effective going forward, but quite effective in defence. So, I thought that was a really bizarre change. All in all, decent debut for Falcao. Um, if he had more match rhythm, he probably would have gotten on the score sheet once or twice more. He For had sure. one really good opportunity. I don't, thought the second one was not that not that big of a miss. Uh, the, the second one was more that I think he's tried to square it for Babel and his pass oh, was yeah. a little bit overhit. But uh, yeah, that one, exactly. I don't think that was too bad. And then he had one shot that just went past. Um, yeah. But that that's something exactly. he may score on another day. But all in all, exactly. a decent debut for him. Got a little lucky on his goal. Took a mm -hmm. massive deflection, yep. but I mean, you know, shot was going towards the goal anyway. But like, I think I said this on on Twitter. This is the type of match I would have seen. I think Galatasaray would have won this four, five, six nil last season. I really yeah. thought Kasim Pasha were 
very poor going forward mainly um their passing game was okay up until the final third or so and again if this was a different team i think you faced that late equalizer could have definitely been in the cards but they just looked so absolutely impotent up front uh you know um, yeah, I agree, I agree with you, and and kind of goes back to my first comment about how I was expecting expecting it to rain goals because, like you are this time last season, we would have thrashed these guys three or four nil just because just when we're in the flow of these home fixes, we're kind of unstoppable. But I think maybe part of it is because we've got a lot of new players playing together for the first time, plus we've got the whole European thing that's creeping up. So um, it's good that we got the three points on the Friday, and then we can kind of put our feet up and relax before the Champions League. But I think maybe. The Champions League was on the back of everybody's minds. Maybe that's why we didn't put on put on the top show on Friday. Yeah, I thought that the most important thing was uh, for Galatasaray say that they got the three points. Um, they did create a, a lot of goal scoring opportunities. I think they had, uh, like uh, as I mentioned, a couple for Falcao, uh, the Ryan Babel rocket that just went over the Kassam Pasha bar. Um, the Kassam Pasha had a goal to for offside, which is a correct call, and. It was all just a little bit uninspiring at times, but uh, like you said, you know, uh, you've got to play and get the th- three points when you're not playing at your best, which is um, what Galstar managed to do. Um, you can talk about a, you know, the deflected goal that Falcao scored, but, you know, it's a perfect home debut in front of an adoring crowd. So, um like the defense still is uh, a, little, a little bit shaky, and you know, we'll, we'll get to see in the coming weeks how that holds up against um, opposition in in Europe and in 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 the Super League. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I watched the game live on Being Sports uh, Spain. I think they had a crazy overhead view for the game as well. So it's like playing with a bird. Oh yeah, that bird. was a real nightmare watching yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, it was really annoying. They did eventually switch it, though, to the view they were accustomed to, a good old telly broadcast view. And, yeah, I just mean, it was it was a, I think, an underwhelming home performance. But the main thing is to get the, the three points and get back on track. And get Resultante com- importante, as Terim says. In, indeed, and get the confidence <laughs> within the camp before the, the trip to Bruges uh, tomorrow. So, um yeah, maybe this could be the result that kickstarts the the season a little bit for Galatasaray. I think. Jakub, anything to add? Mm, not really. Um, I think the game was pretty much Falcao's debut game because um, you know every every eye was was pointed at him. I didn't expect him to get on the score sheet right away because Galatasaray has a lot of new players and they don't seem to gel very well together at the moment. But I liked uh, I liked the way he played, even though he hasn't played in like four months. He he was always looking, you know, he for the ball. He played almost every friendly until he got injured for Monaco. So okay, wasn't... well he he was he was he was really good. Uh, he was always in the attacking position. He always tried to go for the goal. He he looked like a he looked like a twenty four year old instead of how old he is. So um, I'm 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 thinking that he's going to do a lot of damage, especially in in the Champions League for Galatasaray. Um, yeah, good game. Could have ended way higher, but as I said, the the team does that hasn't gelled that well with each other. To be honest, yeah. Let's move over to uh, Saturday when 
uh, with the early game by Shakhtar against Sivaspor, which ended in 1-1. Goals here coming from Mustafa Yatabare in the 39th minute, putting Sivaspor 1-0 up. And then the equalizer from Edin Vizca in the 56th minute, pulling things level. And it uh, remained at that for full time. Mustafa Yatabaris was another beauty. Um, yeah, it was Sunday shot, as we call it in Belgium. <laughs> Very nice goal. Uh, Vizca's goal was pretty nice too. Um, yeah, going to throw to you, to you first, Jakub, your notes on the game. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really like the way Basakshir is playing this year. I don't know if it is because of a coaching change. I don't know if it's because Emre is gone. But they don't seem to have the same confidence that they had last year. Um, Yatabare, an old player of ours, he was awful when he was playing with us. But he seems to do pretty well on different teams. Uh, had a wonderful goal, as you said. Uh, the goal with uh, the goal with uh, uh, with Wisha. I think that one should have gone in first. You know, it was like uh, it, some some play, some players either didn't get the ball or just rebounded off yeah, it Alexis and it fell was... in front of him. Um, so it should have it, they should have finished it. You know, the first chance they got, but you know, at the end of the day, a goal is a goal. So it doesn't matter really when it goes in or how it goes in. And I think that maybe. Sivaspor deserved a little bit more, but uh, you know it's football, so you can't do a lot about it. What do you think, uh, Burak? Did Sivaspor deserve more, or was Bishakshir hard done here with the draw? I think I agree with Jakob. I think um, Sivas looked a little bit more dangerous um, when they came forward. They had they they obviously the the Yatabara goal was was great. He played a one two um, with the. I can't remember who gave him the assist, but he headed it to him and got it back. But he also well, he wasted a great chance to make it two one as well yeah, towards the end. end of the uh, at the game, where he obviously gave the keeper the eye, sent him the wrong way, but but just a few inches just wide mm-hmm. of the post. Um, the Bosch hit a goal. Um, like I said, it was a bit of a ping pong in the, in the area, and then Junior. Um, I don't think he actually meant that pass for Visca. He just ended up just squaring it across the ball, but just luckily it popped up to Edimishka and he gets on score sheet again. And like I said, I think I've said it before, I don't think Barshakshi will be anywhere near the, the top four, top five this season. Um, I think the departure of Emre has, has hurt them with regards to being able to do some build-up play in midfield. But the the striker, the the was it the Italian chap that scored against... Um, Clearly, he still looks, you know, decent, a few mm. decent touches, but just like fair with his end product on, on this game. So I think uh, Bashak Shahid were lucky to come away with a point from this one. What do you think, uh, Ezra? Was that uh, pass intended from, uh, I think it was Kaisara? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, I, I must have rewound that clip about four or five times to try and figure it out myself. I'm still not sure. I, I'd, I would say that he was actually going for a shot and he just ended up being a perfect assist because he, he runs up with the, to the ball with such ferocity and he hits it so hard. doesn't really look to the, to the left side of the pitch where Edwin Visca is free. So I think he's going for a shot, but he ended up uh, delivering a brilliant assist. And it was, yeah, it was a funny goal. Yatabara's goal was, was brilliant. The link-up play, it was Emre Kalunchu who gave the assist, by the way. That was a great little one-two that they had together. And the miss at the end was just agonising. Basically, an open goal. He could have made mm-hmm. it 2-1. And I think Sivas deserved to win, to have won that game. Yeah, my only note to add to that is that I think Daniel Alexic had uh, a decent debut. He missed some chances for sure. But he was uh, very 
involved and uh, I think they they made a good move there with uh, replacing Mosoro with uh, Alexic. Yeah, so you're I right. He was involved with all of their all of their positive attacks. He yeah. was behind them. Yeah, he'll definitely be uh, a good get for them. I think. Um, depend, but I agree with you guys. I think they're not gonna be a massive player this season. Um, but yeah, still maybe top five, top six. We'll see. Uh, moving on to uh, the next match, Gazi Shahir Bishiktash. This one ended three to two, um, and yeah, this game was mainly revolving around something that happened in the sixth minute. Uh, quick throw in by Gazi Shahir. Vida misses his control, um, and I think it was. Uh, let me see. I think it was Koyade who uh, then got the ball, went on one on one with the goalkeeper, and. Uh, Vida taps, taps him on on the ankles or something or, or on the on the back of the boot and, and brings him down in the box. Red card penalty, um, and yeah, that's 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 th- that game. You know, it's, it shaped the entire game. Um, Patrick Tuoma- Tuomasi uh, converted. I, I struggled with that name last time too. Uh, Tuomasi converted from the penalty spot one 0 after eight minutes, and it took quite a while until the 59th minute. Guray Vural doubled the scoreline for Gazi Shahir and then uh, two red cards in the 75th minute after a VAR check, uh, Koyade getting sent off and Mohamed Elneny getting sent off on his debut. Uh, I believe he had like one red card in his career in more than 200 games and now on his debut for Besiktas he gets sent off. Uh, basically Koyade elbowed him in the face during a duel and um, Elneny just kicked him like, you know, like out of reaction, so correct decision to send both players off. I feel. Then uh, Raman Shib- Chip- Raman Shipsa uh, made it three 0 in the 79th minute. She, uh, you know, flashes back to Sivaspor on match day one. But then Umut Nair scored for Besiktas. He had just come on as a substitute for Guven Yelchin in the 83rd minute, and just not even a minute later, Atipa Hutchinson again on a corner this time scores 3-2 and uh, made the last 15 minutes because there were 9 minutes of added time. Very interesting. Besiktas coming close, uh, very close once through Josh Kevin and Kudu to make a 3-3, but at the end of the day, Gazi here get a deserved 3 points, 3-2 and uh, yeah, I said it before the season started, I think Gazi here are going to be decent and of course they had that horrible opening match they lost against Fenerbahce where they gave away three penalties in in, in 20 minutes or something and they were never going to do well but after that they they rebounded well they've done well I was not too surprised that they gave Bishitesh a run for their money but yeah that red card decided uh, the match almost I think it was never really uh, we couldn't really see what Bishitesh are capable of after that, and it's unfortunate for Besiktas, they have a very bad start to the season, just four points out of four matches, kind of reminiscent of Fenerbahce last season, um, and of course they will be missing El Nini for at least two games, probably three or so, because I don't think uh, the TFF or the PFDK will uh, just let him off with two games, uh, that, that will definitely yeah, that, be three. Right, so that, was, yeah. that, that was a really bad challenge from El Nini, it was such a vicious uh, vicious kick and it was with no intention to play the ball or anything like that. He was only had the intention to help the player. So I would expect him to get three or four matches for that. That wasn't even um, a challenge. I mean, it was just a reaction. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It was completely off the ball and it was just completely with the intention to help the player. I'm very worried about Aneni to be honest because when, I mean, I've seen him a lot of, 
playing for Arsenal and he was linked with Galatasaray at the start of the summer window and I was petrified because I really don't rate him at all. Not necessarily for the disciplinary stuff, just because I think he's an extremely overrated player. And then suddenly, out of, almost out of nowhere, he ended up signing for Besiktas. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't have huge hopes for Elneny. Um, and his, his behaviour in that moment just made me think that he's not very serious about this loan move at all. So, I don't know what your first impressions are. I guess you didn't no, have I much to see before that. that. But I, I think it's a very, very, human, very human reaction. It's like when someone takes a swing at you, you're going to react, right? I don't know. The swing was kind um, of the swing wasn't as bad as his response at all. It was completely dis- disproportionate. I don't agree with that. He just makes an elbow to his face. I, 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 one hundred percent red card. One hundred percent agree with you that this is like a three or four match ban. But I think it's a human reaction. If somebody tries to hurt you, you get angry, you get pissed off, and it's a split second decision. And uh, you, yeah. Uh, some people say, you know, you're a professional, you should be above that, but you're, when, you're, when you're a professional athlete, you don't get trained to not have human responses to getting assaulted, you know? So, I, I don't know. If, I, if somebody takes a, take, tries to elbow me or elbows me in the face, I, I'd probably give him a punch. The difference is here, instead of kicking him, if you push him, you probably don't get sent off. The kick is just absolutely stupendous, but... Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's a human reaction. I'm not I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying I would probably have done a similar thing if I was in his shoes. So I don't think it... I mean... Is... Go ahead, yeah. I mean, with Quaresma gone, you need to have another player to fill the Tom <laughs> Red card quota, you know? So good thing <laughs> yeah, but that's different. Any... Quaresma, this is, not, this is not a player losing the ball and then being petulant like a child and, and, and kicking someone from behind because he because his trick didn't work. It's not the same thing here. I think yeah, he, he you know, skips a couple of steps, but it's still the same. And generally, I thought I thought the game was um, was a kind of a mirror image of that Bayern Munich match from a few years ago. Vida gets sent off early on, and then Besiktas kind of on the back foot yeah. for the rest of the match and looking like it's going to run away from them. So I agree that it wasn't kind of a, a test for Besiktas's abilities at all, but the red card kind of set the tone. But in the in that Byron match, at least you know I, I don't think you could blame Vida there because that was a poor pass back from from Atiba intercepted, and he actually tries to play the ball, and he you know and Lewandowski just taps it just before he manages to tackle it, and then takes Lewandowski down. So that's a different thing for me. That's uh, that's that was a normal. Maybe he should have let him go, but he, he still had a chance to play the ball here. This was just his lights going out, like, oh, fuck, I fucked up, and then he took him down. This is absolutely unnecessary, because first and foremost, I don't think Coyote is going to score there, uh, because he's not a good finisher, and Karius was coming out really quickly, he was in a decent position, and even if he does score, that's not so, I mean, that's not the end of the world, you know, but you're putting your team down to 10-man after just six minutes, giving away a penalty. You're basically giving away the match. Uh, Vida made an Instagram post after the game apologizing for his mistake and all that. So I don't blame Vida or anything like that. I think, you know, stuff like this happens. It's football. Defenders are going to get those cards from time to time, unfortunately, for their team. So, but it's, it's of course, it, it, it was uh, unfortunate for Besiktas. But at the end of the day, if you look at the, the chances Gazi Shahir had afterwards, I think they hit the post two or three times. Um, and then, yeah, Besiktas come close to a draw in the end. But at the end of the day, if you look at the full 90 minutes, and of course, that red card shapes the game. 
but it's a correct decision, so you can't really say anything about it. And if you look afterwards, the amount of chances Gazi here had, the amount of chances Besiktas had, I do have to say Besiktas continue to play. And I think, you know, for example, Gazi second goal was an example of Besiktas trying to push for the equalizer, so it's not like Besiktas gave up or anything. Even after the 3-0, they didn't give up, so that was, that, you know, a little bit of a... A little bit of a positive there. So Besiktas, despite that, didn't play poorly with 10 men. But uh, for me, this was one of those games. I think I, 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 I think I knew what Burak felt like last season, where it's just like after a couple of minutes, you're just like, ugh, you know, it's, it's, it's eight minutes, and I just wish this match was over already. Burak, is that the sentiment you had a lot last season? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's a coach's worst nightmare, isn't it? You you work all week for the game. You get your game plan down. You get your tactics. You work on them on the training field. And when, within the first six minutes, bam, red card. You have to reshuffle. You have to reorganize your players. And it was a tasty game, wasn't it? There was like four yellow cards before the El Nene and Coyote red cards happened. And there was, again, four yellow cards afterwards as well. So... Yeah, but nothing over the line, I felt. I, I was surprised by the whole Coyote El Neni thing. It didn't feel like a like a tense match. Okay, there were some yellow cards, but like I don't know, really know where that came out of. I don't know why Coyote decided to suddenly take a swing with his elbow, basically. It just didn't feel like that type of match. And yeah, it, was it was just an aggression surprising. by both teams. I think El Nene's been hanging out with Granite Xhaka a little bit too much in London, and he's got a bit of that... Um, uh, that thuggery about him. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see. Go you know, he'll in, indeed um, he'll he'll do his ban and come back, and we'll have to see how he he fits into this team. But like Urzad, I I never really rated him at Arsenal, and so I don't know how he's going to do for Besiktas when he comes back from his ban. Yeah, it's a question, of course. Now, how, how much is it going to impact him mentally? I think, in terms of profile, he's he's the right type of player. So we'll have to wait and see. I think maybe at Arsenal they expected a little bit too much from him. But I think if you're playing him in that role as a controlling midfielder with, who covered a lot of ground, good passing game, uh, but not don't expect too much from him. I think he's okay with that. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, he's not a long-term move probably because. There's no option to buy to my knowledge. Well, there's an option to buy for, I believe, 18 million or something. So that's never going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the other main takeaway for me for Bishtish, once again, I think I said it last week and probably the week before, well, last game and the, and the game before, but Guven Yalcin is just, he's just not good enough for Besiktas at this level. He's a good, talented player. He's only 20 years old. He gets on the score sheet from time to time. So he's definitely got something. But he needs to go out on loan. He needs to play for a smaller club. And probably, preferably in a two-striker system or something. But he is just such a... Yeah, you know, like a black hole that sucks everything in it. And... That's just what he feels like. He's not able to hold up. His hold-up play is horrendous. He can't combine with 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 other players. He's only effective when he's in the box, uh, and then even when he's in the box, like when when I don't know how many times Nkudu uh, ran down that left wing and, and tried to put in a cross in the box, but there's he's never somewhere useful. So. I don't know, as soon as Umut Nair came in, that was better. Besiktas really, I hope, against Slovan Bratislava, they'll do away with Guven and start either Umut or Diaby up top. And they just have to pray for Burak Yilmaz to get back and then to stay fit, because otherwise it's going to be a very long season for them. Anything to add, Jakub? 
No, not that much. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's one thing that I didn't get, uh, the red card that El Neni got. Why did, why did the Gazi Shehir player get a red? Because he elbowed it, it, him before. Oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't see that part. Yeah, I that's why he kicked add, him. Though, <laughs> yeah, I want to add, though, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that Hutchinson with his old bones is still scoring goals, so that's nice to see. And you um, we were talking about Kuvain Hutchinson, so uh, I agree with you. I think that Bishtash is really missing Burak. Um, Burak is always a player that he, pretty much all game he has like he only needs like two chances to be really, really dangerous, and that is what Bishtash missed this game. I think it's a little bit bad for Guen because yeah, he's he's a striker, and uh, when you're a young, promising player, you as a striker you don't really have the patience that a different player uh, that a player that plays on a different position uh, has. So it's kind of bad for him, but you know it, it just comes with the territory. So I hope I hope he will get he's, better. He's, he's drowning right now. He's just not. I mean, I'm not saying he won't be. Because look, Burak when he first came, he had a really good start at the club and and really promising start when he was 21 years old. But then he kind of kind of had that period where he was drowning too. So it's normal for younger players. But to keep, I, I don't think Abdullahi is doing him any service by keep on insisting on playing him because he's weighing down the team. And uh, he's costing the team points indirectly by simply not contributing enough. It's not just Burak's ability to score. It's also just his presence up top. And that's the main issue, that Guven doesn't have any presence. He doesn't weigh on the opposition's defense. And he doesn't give uh, the, the wingers an option in, in the box. So, uh, yeah, you know, for example, Besiktas fans are already starting to judge Tyler Boyd and Kudu... You know, are they? Oh, these guys aren't good enough, and blah blah blah. I don't think you can make that assessment either way, whether they are or aren't, until they're actually playing with a proper striker up top. And I was very disappointed with Diaby starting on the on the right, if he was fit to play, because apparently he was ill midweek. But if he was fit, he should have just started up top. I think he had a decent game. He had two or so of the the most uh, dangerous actions for Besiktas until the goals. So. Uh, he did some good stuff on the wing, which isn't his main position. He is really a striker. So I hope Abdullah Avci isn't going to make the same uh, mistake as Kaiser did at Portugal, at, 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 FC, uh, at Sporting, and, and con- insist on playing him on the wing. Because, you, yeah, you can play Diaby on the wing, but his main position is as a, as a second striker, really. But he can also play as a nine. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that he either starts against Bratislava or Umut. Uh, let's move over to the next one. That's Antalya Spor, Kayseri Spor, a match with a lot of goals, just like the Gazishir Besiktas match. We have four goals in this match, two for both teams. Antalya Spor, uh, Kayseri Spor ending in 2-2. Goals here coming from Gustavo Blanco in the second minute, putting Antalya 1-0 ahead. Then Emmanuel Adebayor scores from the penalty spot to make it 1-1 in the 44th minute. And then in the 50th minute, Serdar Uskan does the same from the penalty spot, putting Antalya Spor ahead once again. And then in the 74th minute, Benoit Poulain scores the equalizer for Kayseri Spor, making it 2-2. Benoit Poulain came from Club Bruges, Club Brugge, by the way, uh, Uzer, in case you're interested. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about <laughs> the main thing here, the penalties. Both were awarded by VAR. Were they correct? I'm going to go to the man of the law first, Burak. Uh, indeed, here we go. Um, uh, well, the penalty that Nazem Sangare um, gave away, I think, was a uh, stone-cold, stonewall penalty. 
um, we've we've seen this before on a few occasions. Um, I think the difference between this one and other ones we've seen is the the ball was shot heading towards goal, comes off Nazem's knee, and then it hits his arm, which is extended high. It's used to make his body bigger, as it says in the law, because I'm a man of the law, and by all means, I believe that was the the correct decision. The penalty. Um, although I must admit, when I saw Adebayo step up to take it, he did that um, that little Simone Zaza shuffle on on the spot, like um, we saw in Euro two thousand and sixteen. So I thought he was going to miss it, and then we we, we were going to get loads of memes of um, Adebayo as a as a duck pacing on the spot. Um, but and the other, and then Nazem goes down the other end and actually wins a penalty. And I think there's no argument with that. I mean, he gets his shot off, but it's the the follow through from the the Kaiserspor play completely takes Nazem out, puts him on his ass, and I've you know that's uh, again you know a, a stonewall penalty. Um, it doesn't matter that Nazem has actually got his shot off and it's been saved or deflected. I can't remember, but uh, the follow through is is worthy of, of the of the of the penalty. Um, so those are my takes on the uh, the two penalties, and I, I think a fair result uh, on the basis of the game. But uh, both teams had some some good attacking play, some good chances on goal. Uh, the equaliser for um, Kai said it great hitter. That's what you're taught to do in school. Head it down. This time there was no Gordon Banks esque save um, from the untouchable goalkeeper, and. Oh, oh, who is it? The the Antalya score missed a great chance at the end to try and make it three two. Um, I think if the player had, oh, he, if, yeah, if he was a size Soldata. ten boot, yep, size ten boot instead of a size nine, that's going in. So, but fair <laughs> fair, fair result on the on the basis of of the game. I think that was that was one of the worst misses ever. You you've got to see that uh, Tokoholics if you haven't gone to the Bain Sports website and watch it's it's cringeworthy. It makes you cry inside. Indeed, it's I, so much worse than the 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 miss by the Yattabare against Pochak Well, yeah, was it worse yeah, exactly. than uh, than Nkudu's miss against uh, Rizespor a couple of weeks ago? Open goal. <laughs> uh, it might be actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Sunday, Ankaragücü hosted Yeni Malatyaspor. And uh, I think I professed or at least predicted that Yeni Malatyaspor would have a tough season due to their. A European uh, adventure, but uh, so far definitely not the case as they trash Ankara Guju in Ankara 4-0. Goals here coming from Adis Jahovic in the 26th minute. That was an interesting goal. Tievi Bifuma in the 33rd to make it 2. Then Guillerme with a stunning shot in the 43rd minute to make it 3. Then Stelios Kitsu gets sent off in the 76th minute after he had already gotten a yellow card in the 45th minute and he received his second here. And then Michel Donald made it 4-0 in the 82nd minute, making it a runaway victory for Yeni Malatyaspor. I don't really think there's much to say in terms of, yeah, anything interesting apart from the goals. Uh, Adis Jaovic's first goal, that was a little bit of a blunder at the back for... Uh, for Angregiju, I think it was Thiago Pinto and Pazdan colliding with each other, basically spilling the ball, and I, I'm not sure who it ended up with, but then he squared it, I believe, to uh, to Jaovic, and he made it 1-0, and I think that basically uh, 
illustrated the type of evening it was going to be for Ankara. Is there going to throw to you first? Yeah, I mean, Malang is probably playing some really fancy football and, and it, it makes me um, really sad to think that they were so close to going qualifying to the next round in Europe because, as you say, it would have been great to have them on board because they play much better football than any of the guys who are in Europe right now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, let's not forget, they were just a penalty away. Uh, if there was VAR in yeah, exactly. uh, the Europa League qualifiers, they probably would have been in the group stages and that would have been four more interviews for me to do. So uh, thank you, Malatias, <laughs> for not uh, qualifying. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, just kidding, of course. The coefficients <laughs> would have been nice. But uh, guys, anything to add? Uh, beautiful goal by Guillerme, but... Yeah, not much of a contest this match. Runaway win for me and Malatia Spor. Yeah, I mean, you should um, definitely check out the goal by uh, Guillermo. Definitely a pole driver uh, with his left foot goes in. And and we, we found about to play Uncle Luka next week. So for me, I'm happy to see them get a chance to 4-0. That gives us some hope going into next week's game. Demoralized. Um, um, in, indeed. Schadenfreude um, at its finest, shall we say. But but yeah, yeah I think um, Uncle Luka just struggled, struggling at home. Um, Sargan and Edel did the old switcheroo. You go to Antal, you go to Marcia, I'll go to to Alanya. It's worked out a little bit better for Edel right now, probably due to Sargan's hard work last season. Um, right now, after after four games, it's worked out better. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, but I mean, yeah. Malatya have had a good start too, so I think it's worked out for yeah. both of them. Yeah, and I think in the, and going down to ten men for Ankara just was the 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 final nail in 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 the coffin. If the mm-hmm. the final nail wasn't there already, yeah, and one of their most important players and being out being without Kitsiu next week against Fenerbahce in Kadikwe doesn't uh, doesn't mute yourself, man. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I thought I was. I, I forgot to. Sorry, I'm, I'm enjoying a shisha. Oh, ladies giving, and gentlemen. giving me in, uh, a lot of editing work. Uh, I want to go to bed. Keep it in. Keep it in. Timestamp it. 42 minutes. Uh, whatever. Keep it in. Keep it in. Yeah, I'm keeping it in. Fuck it. <laughs> anyway, without Kitsio next week in Category, that's going to be painful for them. And I, it's interesting how Brock is looking towards it. It's like, oh, yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, it's uh, the meat is being tenderized already. And I'm just looking at it like, oh, my God, we still have to play Malatya Spore. And we still have to play Alanya Spore. And we still have to play this and that. And all these teams are looking so much better than we are right now. And, uh, you know, I'm looking, I'm, I'm dreading playing these teams and you're like oh yeah let's bring it on Anka, you? You know? <laughs> the meat is ready for the barbecue <laughs> oh Jakob, anything to add on this one no not at all thank you very much for keeping it short on to the next one <laughs> another one i don't think we'll be talking about too much but there's one really big port point of interest in this one and that's the penalty that gustepe got and then it got overturned for an offside. Um, it was a penalty and a red card, actually, for um, yeah, a handball on the goal line, saving a, a goal, basically. So the big question here is that offside decision. It's clearly an offside, but was the player involved in the play? Was he obstructing the goal, uh, the goalkeeper or anything like that? I don't know. I, yeah. Man of the law, please yeah, that, shed your that light. was. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, please do, because I've never seen a red card rescinded before. <laughs> Neither have I. I thought that was uh, absolutely potty. But um, 
you know, was was he interfering with play? I think he was interfering with play um, just by being in and amongst. It wasn't as if he was standing on the edge of the area and he was offside. He was in amongst the, the karambol, as we say. Um, so, But he wasn't the guy fight. taking the shot, right? He wasn't the guy taking a shot. He was about, you know, three or four yards to the right of the yeah. goalkeeper. But was he in the goalkeeper's line of sight? Was the goalkeeper looking at him as well and not looking at the guy in the middle? So, but it was, was he offside like at the time of like when the ball was being played into the box, or was he offside at the time of the shots? Or because I did, it wasn't really clear to me honestly. Um, I'm just I've watched it a few times. I'm looking at it again. And it's just really tough to see. Yeah. Um, um, I think he was offside the time the ball was played, and mm. but and if it, if it was, and the referee in his estimation has deemed that to be interfering, then it's the the correct call. No penalty, no red card. So you go from absolute euphoria <laughs> to absolute de- dejection for for poor Gus Tepper, who and- is still suffering from the Cameron Jerome effect. So, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. that was they, the only- they haven't. <laughs> They, they they haven't scored in ten of the last fifteen games. How how terrible is that? The Erendirdiok effect maybe for them this mm. season, and the Ordiasin is taking effect. So but, many uh, effects going on at Kerstepa. So I don't know. You have to choose one each week. But uh, that was the the most talkworthy point of an otherwise really dull game. Yeah, yeah even, I think even the commentator was explaining it with such dreary voice. <laughs> he just wanted it to be over. Watching I the think Serdan hit the bar on a free kick though in the second half or something, but yeah, it was uh, didn't look like a, a super interesting match, and, and Gustepe continued to struggle. Jakob, did you do you have an outspoken opinion on on the penalty being rescinded and the red card? No, but I didn't really get it because uh, with what you said, I thought that he he wasn't really involved in the play, so maybe it shouldn't have been rescinded. But I like, um, yeah, we talked with you before before we started about that I don't really like VAR a lot because it stops the play a lot. But with uh, with yeah, moments like this, but with moments like this, you you can just see the words it has. And uh, as 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 both of my co-commentators said, I never seen a red card being rescinded. So pretty sure least... I saw it last season, but I don't remember what league it was in. So, but yeah, I've seen red card rescinded through VAR before, but. Don't remember one. Yeah, but how. otherwise a really, a really dull game. The only thing that I remember is that a player of uh, of Gustepa was one on one with the keeper, and a defender, I think, of Tricruza tried his best and he stopped him. And that's, I, I don't even remember his name, but it was a really good chance that he stopped. So, pretty much the only thing I really remember of the game. Rize remained unbeaten, if I'm not mistaken, and that's the main takeaway from this match. Uh, let's move over to Denizli Spor Konya Spor, another unbeaten side. Denizli Spor suffering their first defeat at home to Konya Spor 1 0. And the guy scoring here was Farouk Mia. Once again, that young stud scored a very stunning goal. Um, and the main point I wanted to talk about here was Isaac Saki's yellow card in the 19th minute. That looked like a high boot on the shin. Yeah, for me, that's a red card. You know, we had this argument last week, I, or two weeks ago, whatever, you know, where we were comparing the, was it not Lemina, but uh, Siri, and why he got a red card, and then Nkudu didn't, and then we were talking about the height of the boot. So go back and watch that, if, uh, listen to that in episode three, season two, episode three. We went 
delved into that. But this looked like a very high boost for me from Isaac Saki. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, so if you did and you have an opinion, please chime in. Um, Are you sure? Because it doesn't really look like that, to be honest. It, it looks like he's going for the ball. It he's going for really the ball for sure, high. but his foot is way too high. Let's agree to disagree, then. <laughs> Isn't it like way above his ankle? It's like shin height. No, no. I, I think you should rewatch the position. Yeah, so it's on the the edge of his his boot. His foot. He comes in with a high boot, but by the time he makes a contact, it was actually on the the edge of the uh, the cornerstone player's boot. So it wasn't anywhere near his his ankle or his shin. So for me, that's a, that's a correct decision. He's you know his eyes firmly on the ball as he's going in for the challenge. The Cornishville player is just a little bit too quick. He gets his foot out, you know, toe pokes the ball away, burundvurio, as Recep Ivedic would say, and he just catches him on on the edge of the boot. So for me, that's a a yellow card. I think a red would have been very harsh for that. Yeah, I agree with Burak. Unfortunately, my BN Sports app is unresponsive, and I'm not able to watch it back right now it's i don't know why it's not allowing me to tap anything so yeah whatever uh <laughs> and the goal by mia uh, i don't know how old is this guy because i saw on one website he's 19 and i saw somewhere else he's 21 um so i don't know how old he is but he's still young and he scored the winner for konya sport i think like on match day two or something uh and now he scores this was a very nice goal uh guys this kid could be a very exciting young prospect in our league no I just checked and he's he's 21. Um, I really like this goal. It reminds me of a, of a young Brian Babo with his hip shot. So, good goal. Really good goal. Yeah, great technique to, to swivel on. Swivel on a sixpence, as we would say in England. And he just like puts it in, into the far corner. Um, a great technique. Um, let's see him, him keep it up. Um, so I'm sure Aikut Hodge is quite happy to have someone like him in, in the team. Um, let's see him do it on a, a regular basis, but by all means, um, great start, explosive start to the season by Young Faruk. Definitely. And is there anything to add, or shall we move over to Trabzon's game? No, I'm happy to move into Trabzon. Okay, and then the main event of... Uh... Sunday evening was Trabzonspor against against Sterberly. The bottom team of the table were still on zero points, but they got off the mark now and they got one point out of this match after a 2-2 draw at the Akiazi Stadium uh, following uh, Filip Novak opening the scoring in the 17th minute. Bogdan Stanko equalizing in the 44th. Then Alexander Surlov finally, uh, to put it in words of Jakub, converts a spot kick for Trabzonspor in the 57th minute. But then in the 84th minute, Stefan Sessegnon puts the equalizer on the scoreboard. The most controversial uh, goal, probably, from this match day. In the sense that, well, one of maybe the next match may have a couple more. But, uh, yeah, an apparent fall in the build-up to the goal. Fall, no fall. That's the big discussion. But, Jakob, please first give your thoughts on the match and then on the equalizer for against Terbali. Was there a fall in the build-up, yes or no? So starting the game, um, I really like the I really like the squad. Uh, you know, Karaman had a good choice with with putting Storage on the bench and not starting him immediately. Unfortunately, our midfield wasn't that good. Uh, Sosa, Sosa had didn't have a lot of good uh, passes in the second half. He he misplaced a lot. 
Abdulkadir Parmak was absolutely horrible. Obi Mikel did play good, so that's a, that. That's at least something. Um, Novak back with the with 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 his trademark goals. Um, I really liked the tribute after the first goal with the with the with the jersey with the players that were injured. But I have a feeling that if they keep doing this, that we won't have a jersey big enough to fit every name that is injured. So I hope that everyone returns <laughs> and, and and the players, you know, stay injury free. The first goal was pretty much a mistake of Sosa that led to it. Um, I like him, but sometimes he tries a fancy pass where a normal pass is, is you know, is just good enough. Uh, as you said, I I wrote with like really big letters on my on my notes that we finally scored a penalty, so that happened, and I'm I'm really excited excited about that. The second half, you could see that Wakayama didn't really have a stand, a, have Stanima left. Um, because, yeah, he has been running around for 90 minutes pretty much since he came to the team. So I think he deserves some rest. Uh, there was a, there was a position that uh, when uh, with Mikel, where he like stepped on somebody's shin. So he might have gotten red. He probably deserved the red, but I didn't think I don't think, I think he even got ankle. a yellow. In an ankle, okay. I think it was ankle, yeah. Um, but the big thing about this match, uh, Storage made his debut. Had some, uh, didn't have really any big touches of the ball, but the the couple touches that he had, he really showed that he is really, you know, ready to start. He had one awesome pass to Sterlot that Sterlot unfortunately didn't convert. And um, the big po- the big talking point is of uh, is obviously the, um, the second goal against Everly. In my opinion, it was a foul. If you look, uh, if you look at the uh, at the view, it seems that the defender or the player of Genshin really hits storage on his right leg. Um, you and I looked at the looked at the footage before we started, and you you thought it was a he went for the ball, and it wasn't a foul. Um, yeah, in my opinion, it was a foul. If, even if you go back and uh, watch, rewatch it with VAR. I think it's a it's a bit weird that he didn't go to the screen to watch it himself, especially if it's a goal that is like you know eighty eighty fourth minute or something, and it's a it's an equalizer. But other than that, I'm you know I'm not happy I'm not happy with the team. I'm not happy with you know Karaman still not still waiting way too long to take players out. His subs are really awful. Parmak shouldn't have played as long as he had. He should have been substituted at the end of at the end of the first half. But otherwise, I'm you know I'm hopeful for the uh, for the game against Getafe, and um, let's hope that the team just keeps you know injury free. Yeah, the big talking point, like I said, that uh, fall or no fall in the build-up for the equalizer, Burak, man of the law. What was your take on it? Um, I thought it was a foul on Sturridge. Um, the who is the player uh, the game star appeared the player it's quite obvious he comes in from behind um, hits his leg Sturridge goes down it, it should have been a foul and I think Thrubson were very unlucky not to get that called the the Mikel position you know that, that could have been a red um, it was a, you know looked quite a nasty stamp um, but also um, I think it's Bayano from Gensh Arbelia also lashed out a, not as bad as the El Nene right. position. Right, yeah, 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 that's a good it was, point. It's yeah. more like a, a shin kick, the type you'd see from Justin Gagey in the UFC against Donald Cerrone. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, but I, I, the ball was out of play, that was outside of the pitch, that's a red card. Yeah, so 
again, you know, you could have had a couple more red cards in this game. And I don't think that even went to VAR. I don't know if the Bayonne even got booked for that. Didn't even get a card. Nothing. Yeah. I don't think the Mikel one. I don't think Mikel got a yellow either. And he got he got sent off a few weeks ago for the same kind of thing. So he needs to be very careful. Did he get going to create a habit? Did it? Or maybe he didn't get sent I, off. But I remember I we discussed it. I don't think Mikel got sent off. I'm pretty yeah, sure no, he, he did. Maybe he didn't, and he 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 did something similarly reckless and. Um, Aren't you thinking of Nkudu? Because it was very similar here, I think. No, I, very... I think Mikel did something did something pretty reckless in week two, maybe it was. And we talked about it on the show as well. The maybe. only things he, he has remember. done until now is like score on goals or lead to on goals. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think, maybe you I'm just, I'm thinking I think you're him. thinking about yeah, maybe, um, maybe, so, maybe, Or maybe at least I'm thinking about Mikel doing some sort of like de- detrimental action towards Trabzonspor. Those are... Was it the fall in the build-up? Your take on that? Oh, the storage position. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I, I put down that I thought that was a foul on Sitturich. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I think I'm the only one that who thinks it wasn't. I think he got the ball. I looked at it multiple times. and It just feels like, yeah, he's coming in from behind. It just looks like he, he taps the ball away from Sturridge. And as soon as Sturridge realizes he lost position, he, that's the feeling I got that he just went down easy. I'm not saying there was no the contact, right but yeah, the right leg. Yeah, so it's, it's, look at his... look at Sturridge. Sturridge's right leg. He get he gets a kick. Okay, but and... the ball is on his left leg, right? So no, gonna... yeah, but he's uh, yeah, he's, okay. he's stopping the ball with his left, and mm-hmm. then he get he gets hit on his right leg. So that's why that's that's why he goes down. I'll have to. I would say I take a look at it right now, but as I said before, my stupid app isn't working. So I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah. So if that's the case, then definitely something that could have should have gone to VAR. Um, and then we're just—it's just another one of those things where VAR is a good thing, but it doesn't need—it should not be used in a selective selective manner. These things need to be consistently corrected. Then you can't have it corrected one week and not corrected the other week. Um, yeah, we've seen plenty of nice goals disallowed because of a handball in the build-up or a fall in the build-up somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was in the Super League last season, but I remember a goal last season uh, where one team scores but it's disallowed because there's a fall in the build-up and from the resulting free kick, the other team scores. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what match that was, but that was last season. So VAR sometimes definitely, uh, I think they still have to tweak it a little bit. Um, but let's move over to uh, Monday. I think we all kind of expected Monday, Alanya Spor, Fenerbahce. Alanya Spor have had a great start to the season. They have a very good team in terms of individual quality. But I still think that we kind of all expected, ah, you know what, Fenerbahce, they're in a good flow. Yeah, they drew last week against Trabzonspor, but they're going to get back right into it and they're going to get a win here. And it looked like it was going to happen because after 39 minutes, Tolga Zirgi put Fenerbahce 1-0 up on the road, but then just a couple of minutes later, in the second minute of added time of the first half, Papi Sisse makes it 1-1, then as soon as we come out of the dressing room, basically, in the 46th minute, once again, Papi Sisse making it 2-1, and then in the 62nd minute, Junior Fernandez putting the cherry on top, making it 3-1, and I think, honestly, it could have been more... There's at least one stonewall penalty early on in the match, I think, where Luis Gustavo, I think it was Cisse, he just steps on him pretty clear. And there's a couple of 
maybe situations. One where I think Cisse is going up for a header and he's getting a push in the back a little bit. That could have possibly been one. And then one I'm really not clear on what happened. Um, but people saying that was a penalty. But to me, I don't really see the big deal there. But Burak, let's uh, get your take on the match first, please. Uh, well, well, if after the international break I, I said I felt like a dog with two dicks, but after this match I felt like a dog that had just come back from the vets, having had its bollocks chopped off and being left in a hot car <laughs> on the streets of Alanya, sweating and just disappointed and just aren't sad. Um, I think the, the, the first half was was okay, you know, uh, you could see we were missing Embra. Um I don't know what we're going to do when he comes back if we play Gustavo, Embra and Cruiser with three left-footed players in that, that midfield area. Um, but uh, a good goal that we had, um, that was a lovely, nice lovely assist by Mad Max. That's his fourth assist this season. So he's, he's having an impact. He might not be putting in stellar performances every single game for, for 90 minutes, but you can see the impact he's having on the team just by the number of assists he's got. And then it, uh, you're about to go into the half-time, you know, wandle up, and then you just have a complete breakdown in communication between Altai and the def- defender. Um, I don't know what happened there. Uh, early run in the first half, Altai came out and kind of flapped at something, but made yeah. up for it by, by chasing out and chasing the ball down and jumping on it. So that was good bravery. But this was just, you know, two two in two individuals not having any communication between each other, and on the basis of play, you know, they deserved the equaliser for for Alanya. And then as soon as you come out in the second half, you know, what Jelson, what what are you what are you thinking? You know, there's been lots said about you know Cisse being in the box when the ball was played, which we can maybe come to a little bit later. But this just to discuss the fact that. Jarlson, just another individual error. I don't know what, what happened, whether he just switched off because it was a start of the second half. Horrendous individual error and lovely ball put away by Cisse. And the third Alanya goal, individual error again by Ozan. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. He He's played two games for the national team in midfield, albeit played played well, scored one, and, and played well in the other game where I think he stayed on for the majority of the match. And then you shunt him straight back to right back when you've got someone like Murat Salam who can you can play that position and you could maybe put Ozan into the midfield position alongside Gustavo or alongside Tolga. I, I would yeah. have gone with, with Gustavo and, and Ozan with Mad Max just in front of them. But three individual errors and you know, Alanya could have had a fourth. They hit the bar at the towards the end of the first half. Uh, the penalty position that we're talking about with Gustavo, he actually, Gustavo actually, he plants his foot on the ground and the Alanya Sora player comes in and, and falls over it. So, to me, that that can be given as a penalty and that cannot be given as a penalty. It's it shades of grey and I think it depends on the referee on the day. Um, I, that one didn't go to VAR. So you can see what the referee thought about that then one. Then VAR probably thought the same thing that you did, that it's the interpretation of the ref. Indeed, they, they, they didn't. Want... Know, so. And then the, the supposed push on Cisse, it was, you know, wow. it's just very, 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 very mild in the back. That would have been a very, very harsh penalty. I think that's just, uh, you see it in 
all the leagues around the world and all the weekends, you know, a defender just getting a, a soft arm to the back. Um, and then at the end, towards the end of the, the second half, Fenerbahce could have had a penalty when Alpara was brought down. Um, you can watch it in slow motion. It seems as if the player takes the ball and the man. And Is it the one where he's running out of the box? Kind of reminded me of uh, Nani a couple of years ago. Is it that one? It... I don't know. It's when Alpara drives into the box towards the, oh. the the byline, and the the Alanis Broad player comes in, and you could say he kind of gets the ball and and gets the man as well. So you know, I wouldn't say that was a that's a stonewall penalty, but in, it it could have been given on another day. Um, Mad Max had a good chance with a header. It, it yeah. just seemed that he kind of pulled out of it a little bit. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more bravery because he's... Yeah, he looked a little afraid, right? When he was heading, yeah. I was like, that ball's going to yeah. be in my face. He just saw this big Alanya <laughs> defender running towards him and I thought, I don't want to get clattered here. But I mean, come on, Mad Max. You're, you're Mad Max. You know, show, some, show some testicular fortitude and, and, and get in there. Um, and... The heat and the humidity, you know, must have played played a part. You know, you could see the players were absolutely drenched in sweat um, mm -hmm. by like the fifteenth, twentieth minute. But on the basis, you know, we we didn't play horrendously bad. You know, it was shaping up to be a, a decent away performance going into the end of the first half. And even the goal, then we talk about the individual error that Altai and the defender had. The back pass from Zanka that put Altai in, in real trouble. He had to just boot the ball out for a throw-in. And again, there was talk about the throw being taken from the wrong place and the ref asking him to take it from the correct place. You know, that, that happens every, every week. You know, someone takes a throw-in from the wrong place and the referee pulls it back and says, hey, no, you know, play it from there. Um, I don't recall ever seeing... No, what happened there? Did he refuse to move back or what was the controversy there? I, I failed to see it. I think what happened is uh, the Alanya Store player took, took the throne and the ref called it back. That's what I think happened because I've tried to expunge this game from my memory. But you know, there's there's been a, uh, a hoo-ha made about that and the the, the fact that Sisu is in the the penalty box as Althai played the ball to Jarlson. But, you know, you, you've got but to he's be... not the one winning the ball, right? No, no, that's Tassos the Greek, and he yeah. was outside the box when the ball was played by Altai to tap to Jarlson. So everyone seems to have a different version of the rules. Um, I've checked it on EFAB because, as you know, I am a man of the law, and, and, <laughs> and it quite quick, it quite it clearly says there. Sorry, we're going into this now. I thought we'd come no, to it at the end of the game, but it says if an opposing player doesn't have time to leave the box, then play continues as normal. And what happened was Altai got the ball. He wanted to put it into play quickly. Ah. And and Sisse was just, you know, striding out of the box, you know, yeah. normal. He wasn't interfering with play. He wasn't a menace or a threat at all. Mm -hmm. um, it was just Jarlson completely switching off, suddenly realizing, oh, shit, Tassos is running towards me. Um, he just goes to smash it. And it's... And it just re rebounds. It comes off Tashosha Sin and lands exactly into the path of Sise, who suddenly thinks, oh, hang on, I'm on for a goal here. And so another day, that could have just come off Tashosha Sin and, like, got out for a corner or just, like, landed behind Sise. It was just on, on that particular day, at that particular time, with that particular deflection. It, it landed <laughs> right into, into his path. So um, stunted. Yeah. You know, we, we've had uh, three decent games playing... Um, good football. Vida Boric was a little bit isolated, unfortunately. Um, 
you know, I, I think it just happens. You know, I was expecting a little bit more from Dennis Turic after his his goal for Turkey's first international goal. I thought he'd come in bring with confidence. He had a bit of a quiet game. Um, we did have no Farida magic this time. He came on again, and oh, I did he? I, I told I was I was watching the game. I was like, well, he should put Ferdi on. Well, <laughs> and he was that, on, that, I guess. That goes to show, doesn't it? Um, and even when Mifflud came on, you know, as a last ditch, you know, come on, you know, try and get us a goal, Mifflud, you know, that that didn't work. Um, if it's two one, it's different. But at three one, you're like, eh, yeah, not, you know, I mean, especially at the height and the heat and all that. And yeah, I want to say credit to to Errol, but um, I don't think Alandi were the better team on the day. Um, they just, you know, made the best of our three, you know, horrendous errors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the skip back, regroup, you know, just have a good week of training, concentrate again, and we go again uh, next week against Ankara at home. And But Errol Bullock, you know, potential future Farabacha manager. Uh, we all know why I, I love him so um, as well. From the- Yes, don't rub it in. Um, and he still has that lovely curly hair, not as long as it used to be when he tied it up in a ponytail. But, you know, he's, you know... Uh, it's like a good. porn actor if he did if he do that exactly a good example of you know a young manager he applied his trade abroad for a bit he grew up in a German game so he's got maybe a different you know unleash of, of, of football as opposed to someone who was born and bred in Turkey so like I say um, not a horrendously disappointing performance but just you know individual disappointing in, in, individual errors. Um, I thought maybe we could have done with uh, Zeitz coming on instead of Alpad, but I, I understand that. You know, I'm thinking, you know, this give Alpad a go. Maybe he's a little bit more tr- a trickier player than than Zeitz. He goes on more dribbles and takes more people on, whereas Zeitz kind of just sits there a little bit deep and tries to, to play a few key passes here and there. So, congratulations to Alanya. Um, congratulations to Errol Bullets and. Uh, keep your heads up, high lads, and also a defence. We're still playing with only one real recognised defender in their correct position as well. So I think that's got to weigh on the board's mind as well, thinking why didn't they strengthen a little bit sooner? But in the financial situation where we're in, you know, they said no, let's get let's go for Gustavo, who I was impressed with. Um, he, he does seem a bit of a bitey player. He's got a bit of that aggression about him. I think we'll probably see a, a record. Yeah, I was just going to say. Season. I think he Def- will probably. Uh, yeah, we'll, and and when um, well. uh, Rami comes in as well, I think we'll see him get into a few scrapes. So it'll make things interesting on these discussions we have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the big the big question mark here, because all the hoo ha after the matches. Fenerbahce want this game to be replayed is what the media are pushing out. I don't know if it's exactly if that's actually the case because um, you know same things are being said about Besiktas supposedly, and I, you know that's that's completely false. Has been denied, I think, by club officials. But you know people are ma- putting those things out there uh, for Besiktas. It would be because the throw-in before the penalty for uh, Gaziantep uh, Gazi here was. Uh, was a rules infraction because the guy threw the ball in with one f- with only one feet on the ground and oh you know and then here of course the whole debate is was Cisse in the box and is that against the rules and blah and blah but your definitive answer what's your opinion should this match be replayed based on that no there you have it I, I think it's, it's 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 there purely for show and and nothing else 
Yeah, I can't imagine this match being replayed either. Plus, I think, you know, it would be an, a tremendous loss of goodwill for Fenerbahce from, you know, anyone. Uh, obviously, you don't need the neutrals perspective, I guess. But I think you don't want, like, the entire country, except for your own fan base, to turn against you this early in the season, you know? Like, we, we kind of probably had with Galtzrai uh, after the Rizespor match last season, where I think everyone was like, wait a second, but it was too late then to stop their momentum but i think if something like that happens early on in the season that could have a negative impact so i i think it would actually probably be more detrimental for Fenerbahce than anything plus they'd still have to win it what if they don't win it after that that would be a massive massive mo- uh, motivational blow too i think so i think it's best just to move on move on it's it's the theater that we love called the turkish super league yeah Jakub, you've been very quiet. Um, what's your impression of Alanya Sport? The only team remaining perfect in the league, 12 points out of potential 12 out of four games. Impressive start for Erol Bulut and Alanya Sport. Are you surprised at all by this? Not really. I mean, I, I'm a bit because we talked about it like two weeks ago, but they seem to, you know, they, they, they seem really hungry. You know, they are one of the only teams that is like, that that is that seems to approach any game, like a do or death situation, you know. So, um, yeah, I I do think they they played really good, but I I have a I I have a feeling it was because Fenerbahce was really really bad. Um, the defense was was awful. Altai had really really, you know, unfortunate mistakes. You really hate to see it <clears throat> with a young player, you know, to uh, to to make such mistakes. It's really hard hard to bounce back probably. Especially if you're a keeper of a big club like uh, Fenerbahce, but I think that um, you know they deserve the praise. Um, I don't really think that they have the capacity to keep this going for a long time. You know the season is really long. Um, they are fortunate to only play in the Super League, so with maybe the Turkish Cup next to it, they won't have to rotate a lot. But you know, keeping this going for a, for a whole season long, you need a uh, you need a good coach, which they have. But you need also players to have, you know, the mental force to to keep going. And with teams like this, you you always see that they don't they they drop off after a certain point. You know, every every season we have a couple of teams that are like the surprise of the season, but they really drop off really quickly. And I think the difference between teams like that and big teams is that you know you have to have those two or three players that keep the team going going even if you have a bad match. You know, you have to try and get a good result of a bad match. So I think that um, if you look at the matches that they have played until now, they really deserve to be where they are. But I don't know if they will, you know, keep this going for a long time. Yeah, and Alanya Sport have been an interesting team ever since joining the Super League. You know, they kind of low-key, initially when they came up, you know, we had the big Bomba, Samuel Eto'o at the the Big Brothers, uh, Dalia Sport. But it was Alanya Spor who came in with uh, the more low-key signing of Wagner Love and who then became Super League top scorer in the 17-18 season, I think. And he subsequently, of course, got a move to Besiktas out of it. Uh, and now it's Papi Sisse. Last season he scored, I believe, 16 or so goals. was really effective for them. Again, now this season he's already on like five or something. Uh, Junior Fernandez. Uh, an impressive player, of course. He's been there for three seasons, but he had a little bit of an injury last season, missed some games, but he's been an impressive player for them. And they just all around have a very fun team. 
um, and they may be a contender for top five this season for the European spots. I definitely think they will actually because if we look right now at the the teams you would probably put in the top five before the season, which would be obviously Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, Besiktas, Trabzonspor, and Basakshi here, I think. Um, Besiktas are going really poorly right now. Basakshi are going really poorly right now. Galatasaray are picking up wins now, back-to-back, but they're still not very convincing. Fenerbahce have looked good, but now they suffered their first defeat. And Trabzonspor are struggling with injuries, and they've been playing some good football, but they've... I think, how many wins do they have? Like, one or two? So, they haven't had the best start to the season either. So, um... Yeah, Alanya Spor would not be surprised with this bonus that they already have right now, which we'll get into a little bit when we look at the standings, but they've already got a nice bonus over um, the second place team, so they could really, with that bonus, put themselves in a really good position going forward towards uh, yeah, the end of the season for those European spots, and they got really close last season, let's not forget too. Um, so yeah, Alanya Spor, very exciting team to watch. I think it would be very poor, very bad for Turkish football if this match got replayed. Honestly, I think I, I don't think it ever would be because, like Burak said, he wasn't really involved in the play initially, and then he just got a lucky ricochet to him. And at that point, I think, I mean, if if it would have gone directly to him, that's a different story. But it didn't happen, so I think, yeah, the, there's not a real clear rules infraction here. So. I mean, what I have seen from some people is, you know, last week you were saying you got a, you spoke to a Dutch referee and, and the referees get a separate list of interpretations That's as true, well. Yeah, yeah I, I've seen some kind of document floating around on, online on various Twitter posts. Um, the documents that are given to Turkish referees, which says if a player is in the box, then the goal should be retaken, which is in direct contradiction to the EFAB rules. Which, if we go purely on the basis maybe of the... Maybe it's old. Exactly, so there's no source for that. So that's just something I've seen. But if we go purely on the basis of the EFAB rules, then it's a, it's a clean goal and should stand. And and EFAB don't offer any official translations of their rules into Turkish. So I think they only do Spanish, French, Italian and German. Or the, the main languages for the, the main... Europe, well, what they consider to be the main European leagues. So there's no official Turkish translation. And if they did, I don't know who would actually be the person to translate it and get it signed off to make sure it's impartial, etc., etc. So I'm sure that happens. I mean, the, the referees are called into uh, seminars co- uh, constantly uh, throughout the year. So I'm sure that happens. But I think the main thing as well for me, just, you know, this is has nothing to do with the rules or anything. But I think when we look at these Kural Hatases, you know, reasons to replay a game... I think there's also another important part to look at there. If, if look, if the if the, the other team makes the that that's making that's benefiting from the Kural Hatas actually initiates it, then I think you have grounds for replaying. But here, I mean, really, who makes the mistake? Then it's Altai, right, for taking the kicking the ball too quickly. He's, it's, he, he, he it's could I'd say yeah, Jelson yeah, yeah. is yeah, the of main course. culprit. Yeah, yeah, Jelson is the one making the, the, the mistake in the goal. But, I mean, Altai is trying to play it quick. And Cisse is not out of the box yet. It's not Cisse's fault that Altai took that, that goal kick really quickly. You know, exactly, because he's not got enough time to get out of the box. Yeah. So, which is, again, which is again it's, it's in the rules. 
the EFAP yeah. rules. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just a little bit uh, silly. And it's, it's a shame that Uzar has already dropped off because I really wanted to... Uh, you, you guys had a little uh, back and forth on Twitter about this whole, you know, this campaign for Fenerbahce on, on the 28 title stuff. And uh, that's something I think is really interesting to talk about because I've heard from other people, like Trabzonspor uh, friend, uh, fan friend, I actually... No, I think I told you, Jakob, that you're the only English-speaking Trabzonspor fan I know, and that's a lie because I actually know another one. Uh, and and he actually <laughs> told, and he actually, it's a Trabzonspor fan, and he actually said literally, "I think they've got a point, Fenerbahce." I think this is super interesting discussion to have, and I think maybe in one of the upcoming international breaks we can have this because I think it is a debate that 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 should be had. Um, but I'm not going to show my colors. So maybe we can do something along the lines of, uh, you know, Burak preparing his statements, his argumentation, and then Uzer on the other end uh, preparing his <laughs> statement and his argumentation, and I'll be the judge, and then maybe we can have the jury uh, of some, maybe some listeners, like impartial, impartial <laughs> listeners uh, coming on as a jury or something. <laughs> so we've got a judge, we've got a jury, who's, who's the executioner? <laughs> well, um, maybe uh, maybe Jakub can be the executioner. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. About, I don't know about that one. You know, being a Trabzonspor fan, talking about Fenerbahce, it's, you know, I got all the arrows pointing at me. Yeah, that's but, true. But if, if, if I if I if I have if I may, um, I don't Go really ahead. I don't really think that there was a you know there was a Kuralatasa. I do think that uh, it is smart of Fenerbahce to to go to the Turkish Football Federation. Because it puts pressure on them, um, you know. It's 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 smart from the from the uh, from the board to you know um, at least get their foot in the door. So the next time that something happens, yeah, you know the the referee might sway into their you know into their into their side. And we've if you've seen Galatasaray already started it's like a couple of weeks ago already. So. And they did that last season too. And I think you know Galtray had some had one super poor call last season. You know with the Konya game where Konya got a penalty in like the 89th minute or something that was never a penalty. And I think after that, like their gaskets kind of blew and they went full force against the TFF with lots of anti you know post post match comments with lots of you know there there you know, it's a conspiracy. It's it's all against us and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, you know. That kind of got rewarded because we did see a lot of, you know, 50-50 calls and some not 50-50 calls that were kind of crazy going their way at very crucial points towards the end of the season. So, yeah, we see Fatih Terim starting with his stuff early this season already because I think he feels that the team isn't gelling right yet and he needs to find something to motivate them. And... You know whether if you're a Galatasaray fan listening or whatever, you know, whether you like it or not, it's a common tactic by coaches that they do is they're trying to create a common enemy so that in and this is really this has nothing to do with the fans or anything like that. They're not trying to you know, of course that's a byproduct, but the main goal that those coaches have when they're doing that is motivating their own players they're like hey guys look we're being targeted here we need to rise above ourselves and we need to beat 12 guys rather than 11 guys on the pitch every week and it's a way of motivating your players that that we've seen turkish coaches use a lot in the past not just fatih terim 
Uh, and, uh, you know, he started it early. Maybe now Fenerbahce are trying to counter it a little bit with this absurd talk of this match being replayed. I don't know. Maybe Jakub has a point here. I, but I think it's it's one of the main things I don't really like about Turkish football so much. This constant putting pressure. Like, you know, I, I have a... Obviously, as you guys know, I'm a, I'm a Besiktas fan. I have a lot of Besiktas friends. I have this huge WhatsApp group, which we have lots of people in it, lots of Besiktas fans, like 20-plus people or something. Um, and I remember in the past seasons when something would happen in the Besiktas game where Besiktas got, um, let's say, uh, negatively impacted by a referee decision or something. Like, lots of our fans would be crying for, Fikret Oman needs to speak out. He needs to put pressure on... On, on the TFF, he needs to say stuff, he needs to do what Aziz Yildirim constantly does, that was still when Aziz Yildirim was at Fenerbahce, and he was constantly doing that kind of stuff, of course. And you just see this from, from the fan culture, that the fans expect this from their clubs, which is so, I don't know, abstract. Uh, it's something I don't like to see. I, I would just prefer to let their feed me obviously you know sometimes stuff happens where you cannot not say anything but a lot of the stuff that people are saying stuff about you know where the coaches are going mad or the, the board members are going mad it just seems to be like stuff like okay well you know you're you're right now you're blowing a gasket over something that was clearly a right decision so you have it constantly about for example a var decision where like oh how how come var didn't do anything blah 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 when it was the right decision you know and and you have this constantly where i think either the coaches or whoever is involved don't know the actual rules themselves or they know them but they just want to you know like i said put motivate their own players or whatever ulterior motives they have like Putting pressure on the on the referees, putting pressure on the TFF, and that's also one of the main reasons why people get suspensions. By the way, why Fatih Terim gets a suspension, and then you have people saying, "Well, okay, but this coach and this coach does it too. Why doesn't isn't aren't they getting as harsh decision uh, as harsh suspensions?" Then you, ha- and I think, then you go back to well. Maybe that's the first time that guy does it, so maybe he gets off with a fine, but this is like the umpteenth time Fatih Terim does it, so obviously he's going to get a bigger fine. And, I mean, he did it plenty of times last season already, and he just continues doing it, and, and no matter what they give them him as a punishment, he keeps doing it. So, I don't know how you can really... I know, and it's a shame Ezra isn't on here anymore, because I know he was very outspoken about uh, the Fatih Terim suspension, but... Uh, I don't know, at this point, I think after all the complaining he constantly does and constantly putting pressure on the refs, as as the federation, at some point, you just have to, you know, it, it's 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 the pot that's boiling over. I mean, yeah. it's, the game, it's the game next to the game, you know. It, it, it isn't something that is only happening in football. It happens in pretty much every major sport. Um and Fatih Terim and, and and the big coaches do know, and the big teams do know that, you know, there is a there is a payoff to crying. Uh, it might sound a little bit weird, but there is a payoff to crying and to you know complaining, and you see it a lot uh, when you talked about you know being in a big group of Bishkek fans. Pretty much every fan is is always located in some kind of echo echo chamber, you know. Where everybody just keeps repeating what the what the first one said, like 
you know, the the, the, the federation is against us. The federation, oh, we, is the federation we fight is all the time, man. That's like complete opposite. We ah, oh, okay, the you have, you've got you've got a good group then. Oh. But you know, it's it's everybody thinks that uh, that that everybody is against everybody, but the the truth is that you know Turkish officials, Turkish referees, the football federation is just filled with dumbasses that aren't supposed to be there. You know. They're just incompetent and it Amen. has nothing to do with a certain team or a certain color. It's just what it is. And well, um, I, I don't think so. I think the actual putting pressure on referees does have an impact. And I think when certain clubs do it, it has a bigger impact than another club. Look, when Galatasaray are doing that, it's going to have a more a bigger impact because the media puts more focus on it. When, when Rizespor do it, eh, Yeah, you know. of course, of course. But, you know, I'm... I'm just hoping that this doesn't set a precedent, you know, that every that that, that we're going to complain about Kralatala every two weeks, every three weeks, or whatever, you know. Because That's, let's be honest, the yeah. referees are just no, not the best referees in the world. Shit like this happens every week. I remember it's happening to Trabzonspor like every four weeks or something. It is what it is. You just have to go, you know, just just forget about it. Keep playing your game, you know. I would prefer for the talking to be done on the pitch. And that's it. Well, I think that's going to cover it for this week. Uh, Bura, can you please uh, take a look at the standings quickly? Uh, yes, uh, Alanya Spor is sitting pretty at the top of the tree. Um, four wins from four, so they're top with 12. So I'll give you the top uh, the top six teams. So you've got Alanya, Rizespor, Fenerbahce, Denizespor, Galatasaray, and Gazaçehir, Gazantep. Uh, the bottom three, I'll start from the bottom up. You've got Kasim Pasha, who I said would be would struggle this season, uh, against Lairbirli and Gerstepe. The Friday fixture, we see Gerstepe at home to, to Konyospor. So a uh, chance for Gerstepe to maybe, you know, get their season kick-started. That's the game on Friday. And on the, the Saturday, we start with Kasim Pasha at home to Antalyaspor, followed by Kayserispor against Denizlispor. Uh, the evening game is Fenerbahce against Ankara Guju. Moving on to Sunday, the early kickoff is Rizespor at home to Gazi Antep. Then Genshar Berli at home to Alanyaspor. And the evening game is Malachyaspor versus Galatasaray, which should be a good game. And then two fixtures on the, the Monday. You've got Sivaspor at home to Trabzonspor. And Besiktas welcome Abdullah Habji's old team Istanbul Başakşehir in what should be a a good game. So those are the fixtures we have look we have to look forward to on match day five. Yeah, and this, I think especially that uh, Besiktas Başakşehir match will be interesting. Two teams that missed their start, but two favorites for the top five for the European tickets. It's going to be a very interesting game to see. Um, and then of course you know Galatasaray Malatyaspor, um, yeah. Can Malatyaspor maybe capitalize on Galatasaray playing a midweek match? So, very interesting match day five coming up. But for now, for match day four, we've talked about everything there is to talk about, I think. I want to thank Uzar Dinger, of course, for coming on. He's left us a little early. Jakub, I want to thank you. Burak, I want to thank you. And, of course, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Football All Turka. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you're on an iOS device. And... Most of all, please share with your friends, your family, um, whoever, you know, that you think might be interested in a podcast about Turkish football. Please share and go and check out our European previews for our Europa League groups. If you haven't already, 
definitely uh, some interesting stuff in there. And our, our Champions League uh, group, of course, for Galatasaray too. Lots of interesting, fascinating interviews that we did over the course of the international break. And of course, uh, if you're still interested in the international break, what happened there with, for Turkey, um, go check out our previous episode. We did a bonus episode, Barak and I, about uh, Turkey's performance over the international break. But that'll do for this week's Football a la Turca. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Bye.